Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Ujima Spirit Podcast. I am your host, Tika Taylor. Today's topic is love is not blind. You are. We hear a lot of people always talking about love is blind. Now, we wonder why these people keep repeating this phrase, love is blind. Now, is it really that love is blind or they're blind? Now, love is personified. Love is made to represent a person. Because if love is blind, then we are insinuating that love has eyes to see. That love has ears to hear. That love has a heart of its own. Love is not a person. Love is a state of being. Love is not just a feeling. Love is a way of life. Love is not just a connection. Love is life itself. Love is energy. So when people say love is blind, what they really mean is that they're blind. That they're choosing not to see. So this is what we're going to be talking about today. The different examples of how people are using that phrase, love is blind, just because they're blind. Just because they cannot see. So let's go ahead and break it down because we're going to talk about the things that people don't want to see. When they so-called fall in love, they don't want to see certain things. And we're going to talk about some of the things that they really don't want to see. Because if love is blind, then it shouldn't matter what happens. Because if you're accepting that love is blind and you're walking into this situation called love blindly, then whatever happens, you should just fully accept the consequences of it. No one who uses this phrase, love is blind, should complain about anything. Whatever happens in the relationship, they should hang in there. Whether it's a romantic relationship, a platonic relationship, or a family. Because if you say love is blind... Really, it's a blind excuse. You want to go ahead on and just use that blanket statement, love is blind, so you don't see what you don't want to see. And there's a lot of things that people just don't want to see. Now, during this podcast, we're going to focus primarily, exclusively on romantic love. We're not going to deal with family love. We're not going to deal with platonic friendship. We're dealing specifically with romance. A lot of people want to fool themselves. They want to play games and they want to say, oh, love is blind. Whenever someone questioned them, why are you choosing to love this particular person? The first thing they throw out there is that, oh, love is blind. I have no choice. Whatever love chooses for me, Wherever love leads me, that's where I'm going to go. And if that's the case, you're going to have to accept the whole thing. I mean, if you letting love lead you blindly, 
wherever love leads you, you should be quite content. Just stay right there and just enjoy it because you're given love the permission to take you wherever it wants you to go. If that is the logic behind that statement, love is blind. So let's go ahead and break it down and find out how love is not so blind. Love is not blind. You don't want to see what you don't want to see. And there's a lot of things that people just don't want to see in relationships. When people meet people, they tend to see whatever it is that they want to see. Whatever is more appealing to them. Because the majority of the time, people have a preconceived notion of how their mate is going to look like. They have an idea of the height sometimes, maybe the weight, the size, the race, the religion, the culture, different backgrounds. And we're going to talk about all those things. So when they meet someone, they know exactly what they most likely will be attracted to. So love is not blind because you already have a preconceived notion of what love looks like to you. If love was truly blind, you would just go for any and everybody. I mean, whatever it is that you like, you would go towards the opposite of that. If love is so blind. So obviously that's letting us know that love is not blind. Most people, if not all people already have in mind what they want to be in love with, what type of person, what type of person they want to be with. So it's not just some random act of love. They just so happen to fall in love with just anybody. No, they already know what they are attracted to. So when they see someone and they so-called fall in love, they already know there is something about that person that they're drawn to, something that they're attracted to, something that is of interest. Now, love is not blind. You don't see what other people see. There's a lot of things that sometimes your friends will tell you, your parents will tell you, co-workers, neighbors, even total strangers will tell you, look, don't you see that? But love is not blind. You're blind. You don't want to see what other people see because you want what you want. And then later on in life, in retrospect, people looking back, oh yeah, yeah, I knew that. Oh, I saw that. Oh, somebody told me that. How come I didn't see it? Because you didn't want to see it. You're blind. And this is selective blindness. This is not just some random blindness. This is selective perception. You're choosing to see what you want to see in other people. Now, you don't see the bitter truth or the painful reality. Love is not blind. You're blind to the bitter truth or painful reality. Sometimes when we see people, there's a lot of other things that's going on with them. There's a lot of other things that's going on with them. But we use our selective perception to block that out. We have tunnel vision. 
we see what we want to see because the bitter truth or the painful reality is that this person is not good for you. This person is not on your level. This person is not compatible with you. This person is not your match. This person is really not going to give you what you want or what you need. That is the bitter truth or the painful reality. Now, why is it so bitter and painful? Because you're going to be hurt by that. Your feelings are going to be hurt because you want what you want. You don't see because you don't want to see. You don't see because you don't want anything to interfere with your plans. You have plans. So your plans will be interrupted if you really see what other people see, which is the bitter truth or the painful reality. Now, sometimes you don't see what you can't handle. Now, here go that selective perception again. We always see our strengths, but we never see our weakness. We don't see our flaws. We don't see our insecurities. We don't see certain things because we can't handle it. We can't handle it. And that's the reason why we do the same thing when we're looking at other people, especially people that we like or we see certain things about them that we admire, appreciate, or respect. We tend not to see their flaws and their weakness and their shortcomings. We choose not to see those things. Because if we can't see those things within ourselves, if we have that selective perception, we can only see the good in ourselves. Sometimes when we like someone, we do the same thing. We project that into them. We project, oh yeah, they're only good because I'm only good. And a lot of people are just plain delusional. They want to believe a lie. They want to create this person according to their ideal person. They want to make this person something that they're not. Because they can't handle the truth. The truth is, this person is not who you think they are. Now, you don't see what will hurt you. Again, you don't want to hurt your feelings. You don't want to hurt your feelings because you want what you want. Some people are very impulsive. Some people are very emotional and irrational. They don't think. They just go with their feelings. They make decisions based on how they feel. And to them, love is just the feeling. Love is just a feeling. It's something that they feel. Love to them is not a state of mind or a state of being. Love is not a choice. Love is just an emotion. That's why people fall in love because they are into that emotion that they define as love. And that's why it gets to a point where they fall out of love. Anything you get in, you can get out. If you fall into something, you can definitely get out of it. <clears throat> and let's just examine this whole concept of falling in love. Why would you fall? I mean, falling suggests 
you're devolving. Falling suggests that you're regressing. You're going backwards. You're not progressing. You're not evolving. You're not moving forward. So when people use the word falling in love, oh, I think I'm falling in love. So why would we want to fall into anything? Let's just think about that for a second. Why would we want to fall into anything? Why can't you be into love? Why can't you get into love? Why can't you become love? Why can't you share love? But why fall in love? Fall. And why would anybody want to engage in anything that's going to take them backwards? That's going to make them go from one higher state to a lower state. So a lot of people who say that love is blind, they also believe in this concept of falling in love. But you're not falling if you're doing something that's of a higher nature. You're not falling if you're doing something that's good for you. Why can't you just share love? Why can't you experience love? Why can't you just be about love? Why can't you be in tune to love? Why is it that you have to fall in love? Because you're blind. Love is not blind. You're blind. Now, you don't want to see what's broken and damaged. There's a lot of people who are broken and damaged. And sometimes you don't want to see that. Starting with you, the person that is stating that love is blind. All right? So if you believe that love is blind, then what you're saying that it's okay to follow something that is broken, something that is damaged, something that is no good. Why would you want to follow something that is blind? So the whole concept of love is blind is very childish and immature and really like a fairy tale. It's like a fantasy. It's not based on any reality. How can love be blind? And you want to follow something that's blind? Wouldn't you want to follow something that is more grounded and something that's more balanced something that's more holistic, something that's positive. Why would you want to follow anything that's blind? Right? Now, you don't see what challenges are in front of you. When you fall in love and you think love is blind, you don't want to see the challenges because relationships bring challenges. Whenever you're getting to know someone else, this is a whole nother person, totally different from who you are. This person comes with their challenges. The relationship may come with its challenges. You may face difficult times that may bring certain challenges. But if you're blind, if you say love is blind, you're walking into something that you don't even know what you're walking into. You're not even thinking about what may happen, what could happen. You're just living out a fantasy, a dream. Something that's not even real. If you were grounded in reality, you were balanced, you would say, wait a minute, let me see where I'm going. I don't want something that is blind to lead me. This is the blind following the blind. If you're blind, you believe love is blind, 
I mean, who's leading who? How can anyone lead anybody if both of y'all are blind? So if love is blind and you're blind, then we have a problem here. So you can't see the challenges. You don't want to see the problems that you're creating by having this selective perception, by seeing what you want to see, by just doing what you want to do. You want to be spontaneous. You want to be in the moment. You just want to flow. You just want to just have a good time. It's all about feeling good. Because a lot of people do think love is all about feeling good. Love is not just about feeling good. You can feel good when you are into love, when you are in tune to love, when you are having that love experience, when you are riding that love frequency. Yes, you will feel good because you are at an elevated state. But that love is going to help you identify any problems that may be around you and help you resolve them. But if you're blind, you can't see what problems you're creating. You have the blind leading the blind. Now you don't see what work needs to be done. There's a lot of work that needs to be done when it comes to relationships. Two people don't just come together and miraculously just everything is perfect. I mean, this is not a fairy tale. It's not a fantasy. The real world lets you know that you have to work. You have to work on yourself to be a better person. That person who's your partner, they have to work on themselves and become a better person. You all have to work to get the relationship to where you need it to go. You can have love. You can have that love connection. You can have that love chemistry. You can have that love passion. You can have that love understanding, but you still have to do the work. A lot of people just assume because they fall in love that everything is going to fall into place. Everything is going to be all right on its own. That they don't have to do anything. These people are very delusional. These are the people who run whenever they have any little problems in their relationship, they run because they weren't prepared to deal with problems, challenges, difficulties, crisis. I mean, they thought it was going to be all peaches and roses. Fairy tale. The prince meets the princess and they live happily ever after. That is not realistic. You're going to have to do some work to get to know each other, to understand each other. It takes work. Relationships, especially romantic relationship, takes work, just like any other relationship. Parental relationship take work. Family relationship, working, working with your co-workers, that takes work. Working with your neighbors, any relationship takes work. So if somebody wants to be blind and say, oh no, we don't have to do anything. We're just going to fall in love and live happily ever after. That's not going to happen. You don't want to see what changes you will go through. When you're blind, when, when you see love is blind, you don't want to see the changes that are going to happen. You're going to have to make some personal changes in your life. You're going to have to make some changes. Psychological changes emotional changes, spiritual changes, financial changes, physical changes, environmental changes. You're going to have to change on multiple levels. You're going to have to grow up. You have to allow yourself to grow up. 
And a lot of people don't know that that's what they're going to have to do when they are in love. And this is something that happens organically. It's something that happens naturally. But unfortunately, a lot of people resist that change. They resist it. They fight it. They want to just stay the same. If you didn't have someone in your life and you were living a certain way, you had a single lifestyle. Now that you have someone in your life, there are certain things that have to change. I mean, just naturally. You have to give each other respect. You have to give each other time. You have to allocate time for each other. You got to be able to work together to understand each other. But people don't want to do that. They just want to, oh, I love you and you love me. We're in love. So let's just go ahead on and be. I mean, that may work for a little while, but when reality sets in, when stuff get real, like they say in the streets, stuff get real, you're going to have to learn how to deal with those real life situations, real life circumstances. And you're going to have to be able to adjust to make changes. You can't keep living like you're a single person and you don't want to do anything. No, you're not going to change your schedule to accommodate your partner. You're not going to try to be diplomatic. You're not going to compromise. You're not going to make certain comp, you know, on uh, sacrifices. You're not going to communicate. You're going to do what you want to do. You're going to live like you're still single. So when you are blinded by this blind love, love is blind. No, you're blind. When you are blinded, you don't understand what you're getting yourself into. The changes that are going to take place. And a lot of people are so self-centered and so selfish. They shouldn't be in a relationship. Because if you're going to be in a relationship, they got to be able to relate. That's the, that, that's the root word, relate. Relationship. You have to be able to relate. You have to be able to connect. You got to be able to work together. You have to be able to build. And for you to relate to another human being, that's going to take change. And a lot of people don't want to do that. They're blind. Love is not blind. You're blind. You don't want to see the things that can work against you. There's a lot of things in life that may not necessarily be for you. And these things could be working against you. It's a lot of things. You can go find somebody and you think that you hit the lotto because you think this person is so beautiful. This person is so intelligent. This person is so great. But in reality... This person is going to work against you. And if you're blind because love is blind for you, then you're not going to be able to see those things that are going to be working against you. You're not going to be able to see it. And you don't want to see what is going to cost you to be in this relationship. You see this person, they're so beautiful, they're so nice. And you don't understand, there's a price to pay for everything. What are you willing to give up? And what are you going to miss out because you're choosing to blindly be with this person? What are you giving up? What do you have to risk? What are your losses? What, are you, what is your, your opportunity cost? What are you losing because you're choosing this person? 
That's something that we really have to think about. A lot of people don't think about that, but that's the reality. You don't want to see what you have to give up. A lot of people don't want to give up nothing. They want to come into the relationship with their baggages and packages and and they just want to hog it, just hold it on. I'm not giving nothing. They don't want to give their energy, they don't give their time, their talent, their ability. They don't want to give nothing. But if you don't give nothing, how do you expect this relationship to grow? A relationship is like a little seed. You got to put that water and you got to get the sunshine. You got to get that rain in it. You got to put it outdoors if it needs to be outdoor. It needs to be nurtured. And how you nurture a relationship, you got to give something to that relationship. Something that is needed in order for that seed to grow. That seed is love. Love is there. But love can blossom and be a nine foot tree. Or love can stay and be a little tiny plant. It's up to you what you're willing to invest in that relationship. And a lot of people don't want to invest in relationships. They just want to take, 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 take. They want to use people. So when they say, oh, love is blind. No, you're blind. You don't want to see the reality of what's happening. You don't want to see what what tomorrow is going to bring. What's your future going to look like with this person? What's your future going to look like? You don't want to see what tomorrow will bring. You just want to be infatuated with this person all in the moment. That's all that matters. Nothing else matters. You just want what you want in the moment. You don't see what's waiting for you on the other side. What is waiting for you on the other side? Okay, when you finish introducing yourself, when you when you start to date this person, when you all officially become a couple, when you all become married, when you all become parents, you don't see what's waiting for you on the other side. You can't see that far because you're blind. <laughs> Love is blind. Now, obviously, we can't predict the future. We're not a prophet and we don't have a crystal ball. We're not talking about seeing that far. We're talking about just opening your eyes so you can have an accurate picture, an accurate picture of what could be. You have to see who you're dealing with so you understand what the possibilities might be. Who you with? So let's just get into it. Let's let's look at some of the characteristics that people just want to overlook when they meet people. They just they just want to not see certain things because they don't want to see it. All right. So let's go find out some of the things that people need to pay attention to that definitely can create difficulties, challenges and problems for them if they don't really see it for what it is. Let's let's break it down. All right. Now, let's talk about color. Okay. A lot of people say, well, love is blind. I don't see color. I don't see this person as this, or I don't see this person as that. When they say love is blind and they don't see color, basically they're talking about a person's race. Now, how is it that you're interested in a person and you want to be with that person? You're attracted to that person. 
You have something obviously in common with that person or you wouldn't want to be with that person. So how are you going to say that you don't see color, that you don't see this person's race? I mean, how can you deny this person their biological identity? Even though that race is a social construct, meaning that society create a racial classification to say this is black and this is white. This is Native American. This is indigenous and this is Indian from India. You know, yeah, it's a social construct, but we do have biological genetic differences between people. All human beings are equal. We're equally valued as human beings. We don't have one race that's more superior than the other. That's facts. We're all human. However, we do have individuals that are part of groups. And those groups share certain genetic traits. Now, you don't want to call it a race. You don't have to. But we do have a group of individuals who share certain physical genetic traits. Whether they have a particular skin color, they have a certain level of melanin in their skin, they have a certain type of hair texture, they have a certain phenotype. So you cannot look at a person and just deny their biological identity and say, well, I don't see color. I don't see race. So if you don't see that, what do you see? So how can you choose to have an intimate relationship with somebody if you say you don't see their color, you don't see their race? That don't make any sense. You have to see this person for who they are biologically. If they belong to a certain group, that group is identified as black, white, Asian, other, indigenous. You can't deny that person their identity. You can't act like you don't see that. Love is not colorblind because you should be able to see this person for who they are. And if you still choose to love them, then so be it. But you can't say, I don't see your color. I don't see you as a black person. I don't see you as a white person. I don't see you as a biracial person. I don't see you as a Native American. I don't see you as indigenous. You can't say you don't see that. Because even though it is a social construct, it's in your face. And that particular racial classification on a piece of paper, it really don't mean nothing. But in reality, each group have their own culture that comes with them. They have their own customs. They have their own traditions. They have their own way of life. So for you to say, I don't see color, That's basically saying, I don't see none of that. Basically, that's what you're saying. I don't see you as a black person. I don't see you as a white person. So what do you see? You just see a person? You you can't just see a person. There are visibly physical traits that you're looking at, right? So that is another Illusion. When people say, I don't see color. I just, I just love her for her. I just love him for him. I mean, come on now. Be real. You see color. But you don't want to accept what comes with that color. 
right? Because some colors are not socially accepted. Some colors are considered to be inferior. Some colors are considered to be not good enough. Some colors are not welcome in certain areas. So that is the reality that you don't want to see. But whether you see it or not, it still is what it is. That person that you're saying that you don't see color, they're going to have to deal with some of this stuff or all of this stuff. They're going to have to deal with possible discrimination, oppression, prejudice, bias, violence, aggression. They may have to deal with that. So when you're with them, you're denying that they are this biological being that is classified under this group. You're denying that. So how are you going to deal with it when they start experiencing things that come with the territory? How are you, how you going to deal with that? You're going to say, oh, that's not real. That's not happening. No, I don't see you as that. All right. That's just something that we really have to think about. You know, a lot of people are into interracial marriages and they are blind. They don't see the reality. Now, you don't have to accept the stereotypes of different racial groups. Of course, you don't have to adopt the bias and the prejudice. Of course not. But you have to be able to educate yourself get an understanding and awareness of who you're dealing with. You can't just expect that person to be like you. If that person is not part of your racial category, they're not going to be like you. They have their own value system, their own principles, their own morality, their own culture, their own history, their own belief systems, their own mannerism. They think differently than you. Now, unless this person has completely assimilated into your culture, and if they've done that, they've lost their own identity. If you're marrying a person from a different race and they completely submerge themselves into your race, I mean, what does that say about this person? They're totally out of touch with their own biological identity. They're totally out of touch with their culture out of touch with their way of life. And do you really want to be with someone that completely deny their own existence? Now, some people were raised in environments where they weren't taught their biological identity in terms of race or genetics. They weren't taught that. They were just taught that, hey, you know, you're just a person. And a lot of people can say, well, what's wrong with being just a person? There's nothing wrong with being just a person. We are all people. However, we do come from a group and that group have their own unique identity. They have their own unique culture and they have their own unique way of life. And what's wrong with preserving that identity? What's wrong with that? If you want to mix with somebody else, there's nothing wrong with that. But remember that that person has the right to preserve their own identity. The same way that you have the right to preserve your own identity, biological identity, cultural identity, custom traditions. Yeah. All right. So we just want to make sure that we understand that love is blind. Oh, I see no color. That that's that that doesn't make any sense. If you claim to love someone, you have to love them for who they are, not for who you don't see that they are. 
If you loving a black person, I love this person. Not just because they're black. I love them because of everything they are, which includes them being black. If you love a white person, you say, I love the white person. Not just because they're white, but everything else that come with them. At least you see them for who they are. If you want to love an Indian person, you say, I love that Indian person. But you see them for who they are. And everything that they come with. So you're not going to just selectively choose to, to accept one part of them and just completely dismiss or ignore the other side of them. That don't make any sense. So this love is blind stuff really don't work. Because someone's going to get the short end of the stick. Someone is going to be denied their biological identity. That group that they belong to is going to be cut off. And they're not going to have any type of connection or identity with that particular group. Now, once you start having children, what happens? That child's going to be of mixed race. So the parent that's just saying, I don't see color. How are you going to raise a child who's going to be mixed? Who's going to be biracial? You're going to tell that child, I don't see color. In reality, that child is going to be a child of color. And you're going to have to explain what's happening in the world. You didn't create this mess. You didn't create racism. You didn't, you're not the one that started this. But we live in the society that practice racism. And so you're going to have to be able to explain to your child why they can't go certain places. And why people treat them a certain way. Why people are reacting to them a certain way. Why are they going to be denied certain opportunities? But these are the conversations that people don't want to have when they have biracial children. Because they want to be blind. They want to act like it don't exist. So that child goes into the world completely unprepared. They don't even know what's happening. They're confused. They have two cultures. They have two way of life. And you know, when they come into the world, people are going to treat them a certain way. So these are the things that we have to be able to see when we make these decisions. But if we're blind, if we're blind, then we're not able to see it because it's not so much you're dealing with the color of a person's skin. That's not the issue. We're talking about the racial classification that comes with a lot of other things that comes with traditions that comes with culture. That comes with a lot of things that we have to deal with. All right? It comes with education. People from a different racial group may have a whole different perspective of education. What is the value of education? One group may value education more than the other. One group may think that you should focus on more of a nature. The other may think that you need to focus more on science. You may not even think about that, but that particular group, that's their way of life. Okay, how does that group see marriage? Do they see marriage as this or they see marriage as that? You're going to assume, since you don't see color, that this person, they come from a group that has exactly the same perception of marriage as you do. And that's a conversation you're going to have to have. But people don't see color. Love is blind, so they don't want to talk about that. How about parenting? That particular group may think of parenting in a whole totally different way than you do. Your culture and your tradition, your family history, because of your racial background, can say this is the way that you raise children. And your partner can say, well, no. In my 
culture and and in my community, this is how we do it. So if you all don't talk about this, what's going to happen when you have children? Mannerism. Okay? You can have one racial group that have a certain type of mannerism. And this is what everybody do. And we're not stereotyping. Everybody do have certain things that majority of the people within that group, that's what they do. All right? And you may think something strange about that or weird. But if you are blind, you're not going to see anything at all. You're going to just ignore that. Right? Sexuality. Each racial group, they come with their culture and their tradition and their religious beliefs that define sexuality in a different way. So if you're from Europe, if you're Caucasian, you may see sexuality in a whole different way than a person who's a Native American, an indigenous from the Americas. They can see sexuality totally different. Or if you're from Africa, you can see sexuality totally different from someone from India. Or Australia, or Antarctica, or New Zealand. Because different groups live in different countries. They live on different continents. So you got to take that into consideration. What your idea of sex may be, they may think of sex in a whole different way. Relationship, in terms of roles, gender roles, in terms of who's going to be the financial Provider, Every group and every race have their own idea. They have their own concept of who's going to do what. Especially when it comes to gender roles. You can have a racial group that thinks women should do all the work. And another racial group that say no, it should be equally divided. That has more to do with culture. Because when we talk about race, it's not really the race we're dealing with. We're dealing with the culture. Because people from different racial racial backgrounds have different cultures. That's what we're dealing with. The cultural differences, really. All right? Um, Mental health. People from different racial groups think of mental health in a whole different way. Some racial groups think about mental health and they go get regular checkups and regular, um, you know, counseling sessions. And some racial groups don't believe it. They're more into spiritual counseling. They don't really go to any mental health professions. They're dealing more with shamans and, and spiritualists and what they call, quote, witch doctors. This is what they do. So you have to be open to that, to see it. You can't be blind to that reality. When it comes to uh, religion, certain racial groups usually have a particular religion, whether it is Islam, whether it's Christianity, whether it's Voodoo, whether it's Santaria, or whether it's Hinduism, Buddhism. I mean, are you able to deal with the differences in your religious backgrounds? That happens. Family customs. If you have two different groups come together, which family custom from what background are you going to use? That's something you really have to think about. All right. How about recreation and entertainment? Racial groups have different types of activities that they consider to be part of their recreation or entertainment activities. Recreational. It all depends. So are you going to be blind to that? You're not going to see that? Those, there's differences. When it comes to wealth, 
Is that group making materialism the top priority? Or is that group going to make bringing the family the top priority? That's something that you have to be able to see because there are differences. How about possession and ownership? Do they put a lot of emphasis on people owning homes and cars and material things? Or they put an emphasis more on communal living where people share things. That's something that you have to think about. How about business? Do they make it a priority to focus on owning your own business? Or it's more of a everybody work for somebody else? Right? Now, are they emphasizing more on the natural way of life? Or are they more into technology and artificial existence? That's something that you're going to have to think about. Food. Something as simple as that. Food. Racial groups, all of them have different food that they eat. Different recipes. Different types of, of food. And different meaning to food. For some groups, food is a social event. For some groups, they just go take the food and go eat and watch the TV and be alone. For some group, that is one of the most sacred times. Eating a meal. Families have to come together, sit down, and eat together. That is the cultural tradition. Okay? The law. There are certain laws. Each group comes from different countries. And these countries have different laws. You got to think about all these things. All right? How about historical realities? Each group have their own history. And some of the history is beautiful and some of the history is very painful. We're dealing with oppressors and we're dealing with the oppressed sometimes. If you're from a group that was the oppressor and you're entering or marrying someone that was oppressed, that is a historical reality that you're going to have to address. You're going to have to deal with that. So we do have a lot of differences And I just chose to focus on racial, but it could be any other difference. We have religious differences that people who marry, they call it interfaith. If you're a Muslim and you marry a Christian, how is that going to work? Who's going to give up what? When you have the kids, who's going to study what? Who's going to go to what church or mosque? How are you going to work that out? So these are the things that you need to be able to see. So we have economic differences. People marry somebody who's broke and poor and somebody who come from a wealthy class, wealthy background. How do you reconciliate the differences? Is this poor person going to be able to fit into that rich world? Obviously, the rich person is not going to go be poor. So it's going to be the poor person that's going to be re- become rich, which is not a bad thing. They call that marrying up. You know, but the reality is as a rich person, you have to see where this poor person come from. You got to see their economic reality. You have to understand their background. If they're used to being in abject poverty, they're not used to having, they're not used to eating. They're not used to, you know, just having savings. Everything is always scarce. So they may have that poverty mindset and that's a reality that you're going to have to deal with. They may become hard harders. They want to hole in everything, not realizing they don't need to do that anymore. They're rich. 
right? So we have a lot of differences that people don't want to see. They keep saying love is blind. No, love is not blind. You're blind. You have to see people for who they are. People have different personality types. You got people who are just out there. You know, they're extrovert. They like to go out. They like to have fun. Then you have people who are introverts. They want to stay inside and just snuggle up with a good book or watch a movie and go to sleep. You got to be able to see the differences in people. You can't say, oh, love is blind. And here you are. You want your wife or your husband to go out and party all the time. And they're telling you, leave me alone. I just want to stay home. Love is blind. No, you're blind. All right. You're blind because you didn't understand what you were getting yourself into. You didn't want to see what you didn't want to see. Now, these things are visible right in front of us. Now, the reality is opposites do attract people from opposite backgrounds do attract each other. People from different racial backgrounds, religious backgrounds, cultural backgrounds, economic backgrounds educational background, they do attract each other and they do have relationships. And some of these relationships can be very successful. But the reality is you can't go into it blind. You can't claim that love is blind. I don't see color. I don't see people. I just see love. No, 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 no. You can't go in it like that or it's not going to be successful. People can get together. Opposites can attract. But the question is, do opposites stay together and be happy and be balanced and grow and live a prosperous life? Can people from opposite backgrounds do that? If you claim to be blind, no, you can't. Because again, like I said earlier, you're not going to know what's coming your way. You're not going to be able to prepare for what's coming. You're not going to be able to assess the situation because you're being blind. This is what we talk about, especially when it comes to parenting people from different backgrounds. When it comes to having children, that is the most difficult thing. People from two extreme backgrounds. How are you going to raise these children? And people hear that all the time. And sometimes people don't take it seriously. Because these children are from two different backgrounds. Mothers from here, fathers from here. And you're going to have to be able to work out the differences. You're going to have to find a common ground. So this child can learn about both of their inherited backgrounds. If this child is biracial, they need to learn about both parents' race. You can't just deny that child to know about their other parent. And you can't claim ignorance either. Oh, I'm ignorant. I don't know about it. No, if you have a biracial or mixed race child, you need to go ahead on and educate yourself so you can help that child become educated. And if you can't do that, you need to find people in these communities to help that child learn about their culture and their identity, their tradition, their custom. If you can't do that, then you're depriving that child of a very important part of who they are. It's very important. A lot of parents get together for selfish reasons. Sometimes they get together for curiosity. Oh, I wonder how it is to get with another group. Love is blind. Oh, yeah. Sometimes it's infatuation. And sometimes it's just lust. Because there's a lot of stereotypes about certain racial groups. 
that maybe they have this and they have that, or maybe they're better lovers, they have a bigger sex organ, they this, they that. So sometimes people get a little curious and they want to know and they cross over. And that's all they want. They want to have an experience. Now, the reality of it, of it if you just want to have an experience, you're not going to get married. You're not going to stay together. You're not going to have children. Then by all means, go ahead on and have your experience if that's what you want. But if you plan on being together, you're, you, you know, you're planning on building a life together. You're planning on sharing your life, bringing two families together. Then you have to think about all these things that we're talking about. And for some people, they don't want to do that. It's too much work. And that's the reason why the relationship failed. And a lot of time, these people want to be blind. Love is blind. But when they bring these people into their families, obviously their families are not blind. They can see that this person is from another racial background, from another religious background, from another cultural background, from another economic background, from another education background. They obviously see they're not blind. Your parents are not blind. Your siblings are not blind. Your friends are not blind. They obviously see you coming and bringing this person into their space. And sometimes, you know, they don't, they don't support you. Sometimes they don't give you a friendly and warm reception. A lot of times you get rejected. You get pretty much ridiculed or ostracized. Like, get out of here with that. All right? Is that good or is that bad? It's neither good or bad. People can choose who they want into their space. And if they don't want this person into their space, that's fine. They have the right to say, no, don't bring this person into the space. We got to respect that. And this may not be politically correct, but that's just the reality. We can't force people to accept certain things. If a person don't want to deal with another race, fine. They don't want to deal with someone from another background, fine. As long as they don't physically assault them or they don't hurt them, that's fine. They can choose not to be around somebody else. That's different. Now, is that being closed-minded? Absolutely. Absolutely. But that person has the right to choose who they allow into their inner space or their sacred space. They don't have to allow people that they don't want in their space. And it's perfectly fine. right? We're not going to judge that person and we're not going to demonize them. But... A lot of times, again, these people are so-called blind. They just want everybody to accept everything. No, just because you accept that person doesn't mean that your family and your friends and the people in your community are going to accept them for whatever reason. It's not good or bad. But why put that person in that type of situation or predicament? Because you're being blind. Oh, I don't see it. I don't see color. I don't see, I don't see race. I don't see culture. I don't see religion. I just love. So you just love any and everybody. All right. Now we could have universal love for people. There's nothing wrong with that. But you have to understand when you get involved in an intimate personal relationship, there are differences. Remove the blindness from your eyes. Stop being blind and see the reality. See the reality. People can come together from different backgrounds. I'm not saying they can't, but come together with open mind. Come together being able to see the differences and be able to respect the differences, be able to appreciate the differences and being able to work together to make sure that both partners are able 
to be fully accepted and they're able to live the life that they want. And if they can't do that, be honest enough to say, hey, I like you, I love you, but we're not compatible and we can't be together because we have too many differences. We can't seem to bring these things together. We can't find a common ground. And people have to be honest with each other. If you want the relationship to last, if you want it to work, you have to remove the blinders. You got to see who you're dealing with. You have to see who they are in the entirety. See that person as a whole person. Don't just chop them up and see what you want to see. Don't have selective perception. Don't have selective perception. See the individual for who they are. And that also includes body size. Some people, you know, you have someone who's what they would classify as overweight. All right. Now it's okay. No, you know, I don't see her. She's not fat, you know, but other people see her as fat. You know, now you, when I say use the word fat, I don't mean no disrespect, but other people are going to call her fat. And here you are just, you know, thinking, oh, you know, I just love her. She's just her. Yes. But you have to see physically the category she's placed in. She's classified as a fat person or obese person and other people are going to treat her a certain way. Now, is that right for them to mistreat her? Of course not. I'm not advocating that. All I'm saying is that you have to be consciously aware of what that person is, how that person has been classified or defined. Now, do you have to agree with these classifications? Absolutely not. You don't have to agree with it, but at least you realize that because that person has been classified, they may encounter certain things. They may be impacted in a certain way because of those things. And then you can help them deal with it when they have to encounter these things. But if you're blind, if love is blind and you can't see anything, then how you're going to deal with it when it comes? How are you going to help that person rise above it? How are you going to help them develop coping skills to be able to deal with these things? If you're blind, you're not going to be able to be any help to anybody. So love is not blind. That is the whole subject for today. Love is not blind. You're blind. If you love someone, you have to see them for who they are. You have to see the good, the not so good, the ups, the downs. You got to see them for who they are and don't take nothing away from them. Be as realistic as possible. Be as honest with yourself as possible. That's what love do. You're going to love that person no matter what. Love them for who they are. Don't just blindly love them for who you think they are or who you want them to be. Because at some point, reality is going to kick in and you're going to see all the things that you did not want to see. And once those things hit you, you're going to know you were blind and you're going to wish that you weren't blind because obviously it may come with a lot of pain. It may come with a lot of disappointment. You may suffer the consequences of being blind. So please remove those blinders from your eyes. Love is not blind. Love is a choice. We choose who we love. We don't just randomly love any and everybody. So choose wisely, but you have to see them for who they are. Love is not blind. Don't you be either.